Hi, and welcome to the ASA Car Care Podcast, the program for drivers that keeps you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the care and maintenance of your vehicle. I'm your host, Tony Bala, and we'll be sharing information and service tips that will help you better understand the service needs of your car, truck, or SUV. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, representing the best automotive and collision repair shops nationwide. If you're looking for superior automotive service and collision repair, just visit www.asashop.org forward slash fix my car. Hi, I'm talking with Ray Fisher, the president and executive director of the Automotive Service Association. And this is a bit of an unusual podcast for us in that it is aimed at our customers, the drivers out there who frequent the Automotive Service Association member shops and repair shops across the country. And you know what a year it's been. In the first quarter, we heard from a lot of shops that 2020 was starting off as a good year. Consumer confidence was strong and people seemed to be maintaining their vehicles better. And then the pandemic hit. Since then, media sources have been looking for information from us. And so together with Ray, we thought we would bring a quick program together to assist consumers as they begin going back to work. So without further ado, let's get started. Ray, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tony. I'm glad to be here. I think I can safely say that across the country in the past six to eight weeks that very little, if any, commuting has taken place other than those deemed as part of the essential workforce or for those who are running out for groceries. I think the two of us have been compiling a list of things, and we've been asked recently about how that affects vehicles that aren't being driven. And I think this platform allows us to answer some of those questions consumers have. So let's get right to it. Every year, right after winter, Car Care Month takes place in April. Now, historically, this is when consumers are taking their vehicles in for maintenance and getting their vehicles ready for summer. As we've been discussing, because of the possibility of vehicles sitting for days, weeks, or maybe a month or more, this year's inspection might be a little different. So let's talk about how and why it may be different and questions that consumers should ask their local automotive repair professionals when first taking the car in. Well, as you know, Tony, when a car has been sitting for a length of time, a number of things can start happening that we have to watch for, and we're going to talk about some of the larger concerns today. So I think let's go down our list we made, and let's talk about them. And Tony, I'll let you talk about the first one. For a moment as a consumer, let's assume that I've been heading to my first uh, day of work here finally, and, and my car won't start. So I call a service, and they come and jump my battery, and I go to work and everything seems fine, but then next week I realize I need to get my car in for maintenance that I was planning to do just before the stay at home came into place. So should I let them know that my battery was dead when it seems like it's working fine now? Well, the quick answer is yes. Today's vehicles rely on a lot of information and all of the onboard computers are drawing current from the battery regardless of whether the car is running or parked. It's referred to technically as a parasitic draw. It's a small amount of electricity, but over time, it can drain a battery. Beyond the things the car is monitoring, think about how you have your key fob, maybe an alarm system or other features. They're constantly monitoring the lock, unlock the door, or maybe someone bumped into your vehicle and set the alarm off. All of these things draw power while they're standing by. But even if you don't have those features, other systems in your vehicle may still be at work, shall we say. So when the battery goes dead, a couple of things to think about are one, a signal is sent to the computer of this occurrence. If a technician is unaware of the circumstances that cause this code to trigger, it could lead to a misdiagnosis and a very costly, unnecessary repair. 
So if your battery goes dead, it'll set what they call a trouble code. Your check engine light may actually come on. You should mention the fact that your battery was dead and you had to have it jump started. It lets the repair facility decide whether or not you should have the battery checked and the electrical system checked. Now here's why. If your battery was weak or has been weakened, it will only be a matter of time when you may be stranded again. A professional repair facility can help decide that for you by doing one or two tests. And I would recommend that you tell your automotive service professional of this problem as soon as you bring the car in. Ray, here's one for you. I get in my car, which has been sitting, and it sounds like gravel grinding against metal when I drive away. What's that noise? Okay, well, based on your description, Tony, there's a good chance that uh, is your brake rotors. Imagine taking a dinner plate and clench the top of the plate with your hand. And let's say that dinner plate is your brake rotor and your clenched hand is your brake caliper. The brake rotor spins parallel to your tires and wheels. And so as it's spinning around, your brake pads are slightly rubbing against this brake rotor. And of course, during normal commutes, it really isn't an issue because of what I just described is always happening. The brake pads are lightly touching the surface of the rotor and keeping it kind of clean. However, now that it's been sitting, you know, the brake rotor is metal and in most instances will rust. So when your vehicle has been sitting for a few days, a week or more, rust begins forming on the surface that your brake rubs against. Mm, well, after driving, will that just clear it up? Well, yes and no. What is at risk here is that if the rust is built up, it may cause other problems. Maybe it'll tear into your brake pads more or cause the brakes to pulsate, maybe even make high-pitched noises and additional heat on the rotor, which will possibly cause permanent damage to the rotor itself and most importantly affect your safety as far as stopping distances are concerned. Wow. So another thing that a consumer should mention that our automotive repair professional, right? Oh, absolutely. Because oftentimes a minor repair procedure may be able to be performed before any aforementioned situations develop. So Tony, since we have to take the wheels off to inspect brakes and on wheels or tires, let's talk about tires. Okay, let's. All right. So if your vehicle has been sitting for any length of time, is there any worry about the tires? Uh, the answer is possibly. Depending on the quality of the tire, the weight of the vehicle, inflation of the tires, and a few other factors, something called a flat spot on tires can occur if they're sitting, and this will happen within a 30-day time frame. And as we all know, it won't allow the vehicle to perform as it needs to safely and properly. Not to mention if it is really bad, but there may be a little uncomfortable ride as well. You might get a rumbling or a vibration when you first take off. That's your first clue that your tires have flat spotted. So when we're taking the car in, ask your automotive professional to check for flat spots. And usually these things will go away once you start driving and the tire heats up. It'll tend to go back into shape. But you may be surprised if they've been severely flat spotted. And it'll be a little bit worse if the temperature is lower. You may notice a rumble that you hadn't known before, and it could be alarming. So again, it's always a good idea to have your service professional take a look at the tires when you bring it in for maintenance, just to look for problems of normal damage and stuff like that, but especially if you're having any kind of a vibration or a noise. And you know, I'm thinking about maintenance, and before I forget, I'm thinking about engine oil. You know, often we look at the oil change sticker on the windshield, and maybe we tend to drive a little bit of distance to work, so our mind is conditioned to think about mileage, not necessarily the date and time of my next oil change. And again, remember, the manufacturers recommend both a mileage and a timeline. Usually, it used to be 3,000 miles or three months. It's gotten a little bit longer since then. And if your vehicle has synthetic oil on it, it could be even a little bit longer than that. 
But Ray, next question. Uh, you mentioned about asking a repair facility to check the engine wire harnesses and other exterior wiring, especially for those areas in the northern states. And I know you're from the northern states, so I'll let you take that one. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. Well, Tony, as you know, if you've got small animals around that are in the wild and even as your vehicle's in the garage, you know, when temperatures are a little bit cooler, you may go out for a short jaunt to the grocery store during the pandemic for your groceries and things of that nature. Your engine gets hot, but not real hot. So you return home either in the driveway or in your garage, and your engine is a source of heat attracting small animals potentially, right? Mm-hmm. So what we've seen in the past when a vehicle sits for a while sometimes, and not to be gross, but a small animal seeking warmth might crawl up into the engine compartment and uh, get burned to the engine block. And two things can happen from that, either a sickening odor that's hard to identify, or more importantly, they might start gnawing at the wiring harnesses and scraping at and things like that, which can cause damage to the vehicle systems potentially and potentially even cause a fire. So we should ask our repair professional to look for evidence of any small animals or concerns like that on the exterior harnesses. Mm, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, we've all seen pictures of the egg corns in the air cleaner kind of a thing. Right. right. But, you know, you talk about vehicles that are kind of outside. Let's talk about a garage kept vehicle versus a vehicle that is in, in the elements. And I'm thinking if a vehicle is outside, you may have different things from like the trees that may need to be cleaned out in the cow area and other sources of fresh air intake. That brings me to the fact that maybe the cabin filters may be dusty or dirty too from when you first started and drove the vehicle because of all the debris. We should be checking those areas to clean out the leaves and seeds and anything else that might be in there, but but also checking the cabin filters. If that's if you have one in your vehicle, don't you? Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And you know, let's say the vehicle is garage kept. Now there's different things to look at. For example, garages tend to retain moisture during the winter. And again, like you said, being from the northern areas, uh, especially in the northern areas, and let's say maybe you're out to the store during the pandemic, and whether it's uh, in a climate where it's raining or snowing, you drive the car back to your garage, and uh, sometime you stepped out in the, into that moisture, whether it's a puddle from the rain or a little bit of snow on the ground, all that moisture is now staying in your garage and also in your carpet. And so there are opportunities for mildew and mold increase in your interior as well. So... It's important to take it to your professionals and kind of leave that to them uh, to let them know if they see signs, maybe like you said, checking the cabin filter. And if you're concerned about uh, interior smells or odors or allergies, you know, you might mention that to the professionals as well, because while they're doing the cabin filter, they'll look for signs of mildew and mold and things of that nature, and maybe even trace it back to, uh, to the ductwork. And so, like you said, with leaves and whatnot, once that gets cleaned out, take a good look to make sure it's dry because any moisture there can cause rust problems in the future as well. So again, when in doubt, share these concerns with your automotive service professional. Yeah, and I know from uh, having the problem in my air conditioner a while ago, they actually have some chemicals they can use to, to get rid of those odors. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of things that affect the mechanical side of the vehicle, but we also have collision repair to consider. So let's move to the collision side of our industry or should I say exterior and structural maintenance side of the repair industry? <laughs> right. Yeah, we got inside and outside covered here. That's right. My car is dirty. It has dirt and dust from sitting. This weekend is supposed to be nice out, so I'm thinking I should get my sponge and bucket and, and go at it, right? Well, good idea, Tony. And actually, the answer is yes. But before you do, uh, you want to make sure that you really rinse the vehicle really well before you start washing it. And rather than a sponge like we often use, 
I would recommend a wash mitt that you might get an auto parts store like AutoZone or Advanced Auto Parts. And uh, actually, while you're there, pick up a car wash solution rather than using harsh chemicals or dish detergent, which can dry out plastics and trim and moldings and, and or remove your wax from the car. Hmm. I'm curious, why the emphasis on rinse and not using a sponge? Well, a natural sponge can be used, but it can also accumulate dirt that may result in scratching your paint. Ah. So in light-colored vehicles, you won't necessarily see these things happening, but regardless, scratches do harm the paint, which is there to protect your vehicle from weather. and of course look good doing it, right? Exactly. That's and what I normally do, especially in the spring for the first thorough car wash, is that I get a chance to go around my car and, and personally check for any chips or beginning stages of any rust. It's a great way to look over your vehicle. I generally touch up the chips, but the rust, I kind of wait until I can take it somewhere to be professionally looked at. And Ray, like me, you come from the northern states and, and you worked in the collision industry. Why is this an important thing to do rather than just sanding it a little bit and touching it up myself? Well, you know, that's a good question, Tony, because our industry professionals are constantly sending the message to make sure that we keep our car protected by touching up chips and abrasions. So this sounds a little contradictory. But as you mentioned, this is the first time that you really had a chance to look at your car. So you really don't know how long that rust has been forming, and especially in states where there's ice and snow and where they use salt and sand or both on the roads, or even if you travel dirt roads. So the reason I ask that you take it into your local collision industry professional is because they will be able to look at it to determine if this rust started from the surface, like a stone chip that went to bare metal, or if the situation is actually occurring below and coming out, which if not treated in early stages, will be very expensive to repair, sometimes into thousands of dollars when maybe it could have been prevented early on for a fraction of that cost. You know, I've actually had that experience many, many years ago in an older car that did tend to rust out from the inside out. And, and I thought I had a small rust bubble. And the more I sanded it, the bigger the hole got. Right. So I, I see where you're coming from. That's right. that's actually good advice, really. Right. And I think we've covered some legitimate concerns that may have arisen in these past 45 days. Anything else before we call it a day? What do you think? You know, I think we've covered a lot. And, you know, this is a lot of good information that we've received over the past few weeks from various organizations. So I think it presents an opportunity to once again establish our professionalism with consumers by educating them about their vehicle and why it's important to maintain it and service it on a regular basis. So anytime we can increase the trust between a repair facility and consumer, it's always a plus. And I think out of a negative situation like this pandemic has been, been provide that opportunity to kind of move forward and get uh, going into the future with it. Hmm. Well, it sounds like this year's car care is going to cost it a little bit more, huh? <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, I think, Tony, it is uh, one of those indirect situations that came from this pandemic. But I can't always look at my vehicle this way. Does my annual repair and maintenance cost exceed a monthly car payment? And if not, I'm grateful for the automotive repair professional that provides the service and keeps my family safe and keeps my mobility, which is a primary concern uh, for me and my family. Well, and ASA members are the best of the best in the repair community. They all adhere to a code of ethics. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for an automotive repair facility in your area, be sure to check out our shop locator. And you can get lots of good information at asashop.org. There's a specific consumer site, which is asashop.org forward slash fix my car, all one word. Just type in your zip code. And if you need help, contact us at info at asashop.org. And on behalf of ASA, we hope this has been helpful along with all the information we've been providing. 
for the last several weeks. We look forward to a, a good recovery for the remainder of 2020 and a, and a great day, a great week, a great month, and a, and a great year. And again, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact us at info at asashop.org, and we'll be sure to respond to you as quickly as possible. I've been talking with Ray Fisher, the President and Executive Director of the Automotive Service Association. Ray, thanks for your time today. This has been great. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you taking the time to do it, too. We'll do more of these periodically from time to time to help bring some really good advice and information to our consumers and the folks that are spending so much time and effort to keep them on the road and happy. So that'd be great. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great day.